We are coming to you with the unspoken words. This is the Red Road Perspective. With humility, experience, reflection, and that unique style of indigenous humor, we discuss the issues that affect our mind, body, spirit, and emotional well-being as natives in recovery. Sobriety. Community, accountability, transparency, and service work. Uh, hope. Unspoken word episode one hundred and seventeen. Yes, sir. Just boomy then. Just boomy then. <laughs> cool, I'm already in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Just boo me. Oh, oh, that's what I was waiting for. Oh, oh, boo this guy. <laughs> Just boo me. Hey, over here to my left. All the way from L Jesus, number 83 in the place to be is the pod Gotti Randy B. Say shoulder. Shoulder. Uh And over here to my right, all the way from Bapu 909090. He's your favorite Indian, the resident sensei, JC. Say shoulder. Shoulder. Uh Uh And special guest tonight, across the way from me tonight. All the way from Arrow Creek District, just below the Castle Rocks, <laughs> James DeMontney. Show that. Say show that by way of Rocky Boy. Hey. Hey. <laughs> the long way around. Yeah. Sahia. 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 Yeah. Hey, and you know me, Mo Hugs, not drugs, all the way from up the road in Arrow Creek, where that pave is not road. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I knew exactly what you were talking about. Uh, that yeah. pave is not rude. That pave is not rude. Uh, who? Yeah, nothing but rocks and uh, <laughs> anties. <laughs> Sometimes rocks it's and not a good mix. <laughs> Sometimes it's not a good mix. Hey, before we go any further, today is a special day for Mr. DeMontney. Your birthday today, your yeah, it belly is. button. Forty seven today. Hey, oh. ha, ha, hey. hey. Happy birthday. Oh. Wichita. 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 Uh, we'd sing for you, but we're out of tune tonight. How about this? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best we can do right now. Oh, oh, oh! So, what, any current events? What's going on? What's going on? I uh, so we got an email from one of our listeners, and they were asking us if we saw that article about. The, I can't even remember that dude's name now. The, uh, the oh, the, the one that you sent. Yeah, the one about um, the representative trying to take away the reservations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was and, jacked up. And he, you guys should jump on this. And so I fi- hey, I figured, you know, we got a request. We'll talk about it. So your thoughts? Uh, my initial reaction was like, man, that's Montana just being Montana. I mean, I think I texted that to you guys too. Yeah. 
I was just like, um, oh, catch J- James up to speed here. Okay, so there's a Montana, rep, you know, representative yeah. in, the, in the law and the, the state legislature. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I couldn't get that word out. Anyway, he trying to or he's trying to get these signatures to send a letter to Congress to abolish or take away the reservations. He's saying that they didn't work, that we're they didn't help with uh, poverty. Alcoholism, drug abuse, you know, violence, all this other. I don't know. He named a bunch of like really, really racist stuff. Actually, like isn't stereotypes. That, isn't it like that in inner cities too? In these big cities around the U.S. It's yeah, the same. yeah. Well, that, I mean, yeah, that was like at the end of the article. These yeah. other native representatives came in and said that he's trying to make it sound like it's on all this stuff is only happening on the reservations when yeah, it's happening. I mean, it's a countrywide epidemic. Like yes, problem. it is. It's, it's it's. I don't think it's right that that guy's trying to do that. I mean. Mm-hmm. it's it's not just on reservations. It's all over this, the U.S., mm-hmm. and especially in inner cities. And it's not just people of color, too. I mean, there are white communities out there that are struggling with the same thing. But I think one of the biggest things that they have in common is that they're poor people. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, they don't have... <clears throat> it's like a socioeconomic problem. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It was like poverty kind of leads yeah. to... Yeah. I think that's the one thing that links them. And, man, that like... My initial reaction was like, "This guy's dumb. This guy does not know what he's talking about." Yeah, I mean, only that that those kind of things can only come from ignorance, and by ignorance, I mean yeah. that means you don't have the knowledge. <clears throat> yeah, you, you know, know, it's it's good that you guys said that, but like my mind was like, "Man, you're complaining. You're really introducing like leg- into legislation, right? Like you're complaining about the reservation doing what it was designed to do." Yeah. Yeah. The reservation was designed to keep us natives in one place. Yep. Yeah. The reservation was designed to keep us down, to keep us dependent upon the government. Yep. Yeah. The reservation was designed to keep us uh, where we're at, right? Yeah. Exactly. So this guy's complaining about what uh, about their intention becoming successful. Exactly. What his great great grandfather had instated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that's what we're coming out of. Yeah. And it seems like at every everywhere we turn, the state of Montana hurts us in our pockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like yeah. we think about like even like the casino, right? Like we yeah. we have casino, but there's certain laws in place that prevent us from being yeah. closer here. Yeah, right. Yeah, and even like I know like with the like the cannabis stuff, like right, like it says that the reservation can only have one. Right, but yet that. you look like like Yellowstone County has multiple, and and what mm-hmm. I'm talking about is like the currency that is bringing in, yeah, yeah, economic. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. taxes that are being paid. The state of Montana is making all this money, but they put laws in place keeping us down. Yep. Yeah. But yet he's complaining about us not doing anything. Yep. Montana State Senator Keith Rip is it Regier? I don't know how to pronounce it. Regier. R e g i e r. Keith Regier. Uh, yeah, it's crazy because mama probably dropped him when he was little. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Randy, but no, you're good. Yeah, that that um, like my thought is is that they they took everything else, they took every every other little bit of land, put put us on these islands, and um, kept us secluded, especially from one another, right? Like if yeah, if we all kind of banded together. Yeah, and then you know our political voice would be even more, but they kept us apart, and then now we still kind of fall into that whole um, us versus them, like you know, like the back in the 
TP days? In the TP yeah. days. Like, you know, we're supposed to hate these other tribes because that's who our traditional enemies were. But now, you know, we're not fighting that that enemy anymore. It's a different enemy. Mm-hmm. But we still kind of fall into that. But, I mean, like, they took all the, the land, put us on these reservations, and now they want that too. Yes. Yep. Right? Like, it's like they can't never get enough. And really what it comes down to is this, they, they don't like our sovereignty. They yep. don't like our the fact that we have rights and that that a treaty is protected by the Constitution of the United States and the treaties did not give us sovereignty. We already had sovereignty before these people arrived. Yeah. What it does, though, is reinforce the idea, okay, you guys were sovereign when we got here, so we'll put it in a treaty that's saying you can remain that way. Mm-hmm. But they don't like that mm-hmm. because then we have, you know, um, certain rights and we have a, a say in things that go on. Like you can't. You can't uh, put an oil pipeline right next to our house because then it's going to leak and get into our water. Yeah. Or we can say, you know, you know, like all that kind of, um, the other one was about the Indian Child Welfare Act saying that it was based on race, but it's not based on race. The government doesn't see us as a race. It sees us as a political. I mm-hmm. thought they were yeah. saying Group. that they seen us as indigenous creatures. <laughs> <laughs> or something else. Yeah. Or something else. <laughs> And that kind of brings up, like, I'm glad you touched on that, though, like, about the oil thing. Mm-hmm. Because if you notice, like, the whole Standing Rock issue, yeah. like, that didn't go through the city of Bismarck, right? Yeah. It went on the reservation. Yeah. Yep. And that's exactly, like, how the interstates were built in these that's, big cities. That Standing Rock issue, remember, when even though that was on that Standing Rock Indian Reservation, just where natives sticking up for their rights. Some of them even got charged with charges then, and I don't think that was right, what they... No, and, like, just to stand up for their rights. Those weren't even, like, they might have been police officers, but they were way out of jurisdiction because they came from all over the country. Yeah, they were, like, a lot of... Private security firms and stuff like that. Yeah, that was, like, man, some of them are getting charged with federal crimes that just just to stand up for, to have that oil run through their reservation. Yeah, and yeah. I think that really, that whole standing rock thing highlighted yeah. how much power these oil people have. Yeah. You know, like those people that run that organization that were there and um, <clears throat> arming those those uh, police officers that came from all over the country to do their dirty work. Like yeah. They should be in prison. Those yeah. police officers should be in prison. None of them have been charged. None of them. There's been, I think I read where one lady like lost her eye or something like that mm-hmm. from like the tear gas. Yeah. Uh, something hitting her. Um, I forget oh. the exact details, but people lost limbs and nobody's being charged on yeah. the other side. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Um, and when I read the article, it was really like, uh, it went back to like, for me, I thought of like, okay, this guy's saying all these problems with the addiction and drugs and alcohol use and stuff and i was like i went back to like when i was working at the local treatment facility inpatient facility here uh yeah there was natives there with every group that went through but i'd say like 75 to 80 percent of the people were in there were white i think it's more yeah and with each group there might might have been with the main facility um inpatient Maybe three or four natives in there. Yeah. Uh, but the majority out of like 35, 40 inpatient people, adults, um, 
35 to like 38 of them were white. Yeah. And so I was just like, okay, this guy's like way out of touch. He's like talking out of his ass. Uh, he's proposing this thing. Uh, like all the things you guys were saying, like he's just, he just don't know. Yeah. He's just not informed. Um, and then ultimately he didn't even introduce the bill, huh? Yeah. He didn't, like he pulled back, like maybe he was scared <clears throat> of the backlash. All the people that rose up. Hey, well, I don't know. But yeah, if, yeah. It, if he tries to do that, wouldn't he have to get back up from the U.S. Congress and the U.S. Well, that's what it was. Senate. Yeah. He, he, asked, he wrote a letter to Congress well, and probably, asked them to take that under consideration. So it's like a, wonder, mon, uh, a state legislature can't do that for the whole country. It has to be from the federal I wonder government. If he, I wonder if it crosses his mind that the majority of the votes in the state of Montana are Native Americans and minorities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that brings up the other the other clown. This is what we're... No, that, go ahead. The, that other guy that said um, native votes shouldn't count in state elections. <laughs> Dog, like, check this out. So this is where I stand with that, bro. Like, look at Bighorn County. What's happened in Bighorn County once the native population realized how pop- uh, powerful their vote is, they started voting for people that they wanted in. Mm-hmm. And now you have the majority of the mainstream residents in the city of Hardin raising a ruckus and starting up a whole new police department mm-hmm. with COVID funds. They were given 70,000 of them COVID funds and they bought two police vehicles with it. The city of Lachgrass only got about a grand of that COVID money and they had asked for more. Isn't Harden always trying to prove something like that? You know, I think my my point of view on that is that the only reason they do that is because every time the sheriff, when a sheriff comes up for the term, it's a, it's a native that's always getting in there. Yeah. I think that's why they pull that, try to, try to they don't want to deal with that uh, uh, crow yep. solo guys, the, or as a chief or as the sheriff of Bighorn County, I don't yep. think that's what they don't like. That's why they always try to push something. They don't want to listen to somebody yeah. that's native yep. because yep. that border town, like, man, Hardin is a beautiful place or whatever, but it's been, like, we face racism there. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, there were signs there saying, like, no Indians or dogs allowed. Yeah, I heard that a long time ago. My, uh, my wife's grandpa used to say that. Used to tell us stories like that. B he said when I was young, they used to have a sign up right where, where he uh, right by the road. He said there was a sign that no Indians and no dogs allowed in the in the town of Hardin. Oh, shoot, that was kind of when he told me that. I was like, man, that's messed up. Yeah. So like you see how powerful yeah. that vote is there, yeah. right? Imagine if the rest of the natives in Montana and all the other minorities yeah. voted for people that looked like them and sounded like them. Yep. And I feel like that's what mainstream America yeah. is afraid of because we are really at that tipping scale where they're losing their yeah. foothold, right? You see the, the, like the black race like <clears throat> rising up, becoming billionaires. Yeah. Now you see like Native Americans rising up in every sphere. Yeah. Music, entertainment, like what TV. we're doing. Yeah, television. Like, man, it's cool to, like, to be who you really are yeah. because we fate, like they tried to kill us. And we're still here today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and, and not only are we here, but we're finding ways to succeed and overcome yeah. these barriers that they put into place. Yeah. That's exactly mm-hmm. true. That's, that's always been our, one of our greatest strengths to ever since like the first contact with the colonialists is that we were able to adapt. Like, like, you know, 
They're going to move you over here. Okay, we'll adapt to this then. Yes. All right, they're going to move you again. Okay, well, this sucks, but we'll adapt to this then. But we had to go through so much trauma and and attempted genocide, not only physically, but spiritually and and culturally too. Mm Mm-hmm. But we kept adapting, and we and then there, you know, we talked about this before, like the people that went underground and kept the ceremonies and the and the things like that, our spiritual side of life, yeah. the languages, yeah. things like because they tried to take that away. It was like a forced mm-hmm. assimilation, and they're still trying to do it. Yeah, they just find ways to say it in a way that's not perceived as racism. And I think in this day and age, it's important for us to really pay attention to the undertones of what they're saying. Yeah, it's always underneath, you know. Yeah, uh, what they're saying. Um, but with this guy, like, man, that was just over, like, that's out there. Like, that's how brazen he was, you know, like, that's how much, like, man, he, he got some big ones for doing that. Mm, yep. But he saw the backlash and he didn't even introduce it, huh? Well, it's, it's probably going to be the last time he's in the Senate. <laughs> just kidding. I, I would uh, say so. Yeah, man, because I mean, mm. I didn't think he really looks, looked at it before he said it. Cause you know, wow. man, the majority of in the state of Montana is, uh, minorities and natives. That's what I was saying. So there was this other uh, guy that was running for office around here. Yeah. And I had an interaction. I showed up, and, man, there was, like, three natives there. And, man, this guy had, like, a had a boot on. Yeah. And he's cursing these guys out. And he, like, like he's cursing them out, goes back in the building, like, whatever. And then about a week later, bro, like, I see him. Like standing in hard and saying that he's in Crow Agency. Saying he's at Crow Fair. Yeah, I'm at Crow, enjoying Crow Fair. And it's like, bro, like, this guy, I saw you, how you treated these natives. Yep. But now you're looking for their vote over here, like, and you right. got the, you don't even got the right town, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, bro, and he lives here in Billings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Crazy. That's how they are. <laughs> That's how all of them are. (laughs) Don't generalize. (laughs) But yeah. Groups are for us. JC doesn't vote. That's exactly why I don't vote. You you might get a clown like that, come over to your house and say, yeah, I love your people. But then they turn around and say, but I want your reservation now. Yeah. I think like what's funny about all this too is like they always say, don't generalize us. Don't put us in a group. And it's like, well, what do you do with all of us? Exactly. You got natives, you got blacks, you got Hispanics. Like, they put all of us into a group. Mm-hmm. But they don't like that when it mm-hmm. comes to them. Yep, definitely. And, like, that piece where they want more and more and more and more, like, that that stems from the American dream yep. to get your own slice of pie. And if you get caught up in that, you'll never want, I mean, you always want. Yep. Um, you'll never have enough. Yeah, you'll never have enough. And it's just like, okay. So then that reminds me of like when I was doing when I was working out here on the streets with the street folks, and they wanted me to come up with a solution. So I went back and did my research on like historically, like how our societies were as Native Americans. I was like, we didn't have homeless people. We didn't. That was never a problem. So it's like, okay. So why is there homeless people? Why is there people out here on the streets? And it's like the byproduct of their society what they set up for them these people on the streets are the byproduct of that because everybody out here in Bellings here for the most part is trying to get their slice of pie and like screw everybody else let's get that let's get that grant money yep 
Let the higher ups eat. Yep. And let the guys on the ground struggle. Yep. And not even do anything about that. What the grant was intended for. Yep. You know, they tie your hands behind your back and then expect you to make miracles. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to bring up subject too. I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook about the skateboarding incident in Arden. Did you oh, see yeah. that? This oh. guy showed it, shared the video with us. Uh, man, that was, <laughs> I mean, you know, like that's like something to be thankful for. But City Arden sure wants to take it away from kids, yeah. especially yeah. any from from white kids to native kids. I seen that video and I was I was pretty pretty mad for that little that teenager. For that. Yeah, the uh, the young man. Yeah. I talked to the police chief. Mm-hmm. I'm like, called him, my man. Like, you know, I'm like, hey, why was that? Like, what what happened? He goes, he goes, well, it was seven minutes uh, until sundown, mm-hmm. and he said the parks close at sundown, right? Yeah, and it changes during the winter season. But I'm like, man, is there going to be any accountability? Yeah, yeah. And I go, what I hear is a police chief that condones this type of activity, and he's like, no, I don't. And I'm like. Well, that's how it sounds. Mm-hmm. I go, this man didn't need to be arrested. Yeah. And he was like, for, he was a man. He wasn't a boy. Like, you know what I mean? I guess the guy was 24. Oh, really? Yeah, but, but it's still like, but even with that, like, yeah. I, was, I was like, man, why? And that's why I got my numbers about the, yeah. the 70,000. They bought two police vehicles. I'm like, dog, like, you got lodge grass down the street that even applied for that money, and they didn't get any of that. Yeah. I was like, if you're not aware of the history here in Hardin, mm. I was like, you should look it up. I said, Hardin has a history of doing things like this mm-hmm. towards their native residents. Like with the jail thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the whole jail thing, yeah, right? Man. I don't know, man. Like Hardin, like I said, it's a beautiful place, but it's ugly what's under, you know? Mm. I think it's important, too, that we know our rights. Because we yes. have, I mean, like, especially when law enforcement approaches you, oh, yeah. we have certain rights, okay? And I'm not a lawyer. I just play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm sure that somebody who's educated in that, in that field could probably look at that video and tell you all kinds of things that they should have done. Yeah. I, think we, I think we should educate ourselves on those kind of, uh, you know, what, what's, where are where are when we're within the parameters of our rights, mm-hmm. okay, to just to have some police officer come and start barking orders just because they wear, wear a badge and it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. But I think through, I think probably, you know, through so much trauma and so much history of, uh, of um, having bad interactions with law enforcement that it's inherently kind of in us that we can't, we can't trust them. Mm-hmm. And and they're the enemy, especially and, not Harden. Uh, well, yeah, especially like I remember, I remember one time when they had, um, I think it was Tip Boss over there one one year, and we were walking out of that gym, and there was a there was a group of us, and we walked by these sheriff's cars, and I was just kidding around, but I was talking out loud, and I was like, man, we should, uh, I can't remember, I said, oh, we should kick the door, we should, you know. I, I can't even remember, like, hit it or something, you know. Yeah. Just joking around, like, as if I was really going to do that. Boom, just like that, this freaking cop came out of nowhere, the sheriff's deputy, and he said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Pryor. And he goes, what were you going to do to my car? And I was like, nothing, dude, I was just kidding. Yeah, yeah well, here in Hardin, we don't talk like that. But I could take you in and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> 
Like, it, it, I mean, you, you can't stop me and detain me for saying shit. Yeah. yeah. You can't. Freedom of speech. Like, if, if, if I said, hey, let's go over there and let's, and we all started going over towards that way and then we're going to do it, that'd be one thing. Yeah. But we're laughing around, joking around, and I said it out loud. And, uh, and he, I don't even know where he came from. I don't know where he was at. He just popped out of the blue and came and, and he knew who said it. He came right to me. Right. And said, well, we don't talk like that, and I could take you in for this and that. And, Did you check uh, his feet? Might have had hooves. Bigger <laughs> 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 feet. Might have had them goat feet, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> but, I mean, you know, things like that, like just these common interactions, we do have rights. And if you look on YouTube, man, there's all kinds of videos about people that are just minding their own business. Policemen come up and basically are harassing them, and they freaking they get owned. Yeah. Because these people know their rights. Yeah. And they, they, they call them on it. And then essentially at the end of the day, those police officers have to walk off. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I seen one, and he was a white kid, so I don't know how that, I mean, if that makes any difference or not. But I guess this cop rolled by, just, and he was walking down the side of the road, and he flipped him off. Yeah. And so that cop turned around and tried to, you know, get all up in his face. And he goes, I could do that. He goes, I wasn't, you know, I could, I could make this gesture all I want. Yeah, and then he was cussing and swearing, and he well, don't be swearing. And he goes, no, I can swear. T- I can say whatever the fuck I want. He's yeah, like, and and then he goes, well, I'll wait for your supervisor. And supervisor came and you know basically said he wasn't doing anything. Yeah, like it's not against a lot of you know, not like cops, I guess, is what it really came down to. But oh, they yeah. eventually, you know, they let him walk. But there's all kinds of those, oh, yeah. all kinds of those videos on there. So I think yeah. it's important that we know our rights. Yeah, I think. I mean. Granted, that kid was white. Uh, yeah. I think it would have been a totally different story of that I believe kid so was too. brown or black. Probably got killed that day. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Real, and isn't that the fucked up part about it, though? Yeah. 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 That is. like That's like, the reality of it. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's just... It's just... Uh, and I think, like, even that leads to an important point. Like, you look at their school district in Hardin, who's notorious for being rude and and like racist to their native students right yeah but what they really want is that federal money yeah that comes from their students that are native students that are enrolled the in their majority district. the money it comes from native kids and yeah. yeah and but the native parents like say they love harden or mm. say they love like whatever in that but at the same time it's like man if we really want to hurt them we would Take our kids out of that school system. Yeah, and they would drop like drop down to a classy school, which, yeah. is, which there's nothing wrong with it. But I mean, they don't see it that the majority of the mon- the funding comes from native kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what really what they're after. Yeah. So I mean, it really comes down to to the finances, man. Yeah. It's all about money. Yeah. But we're you, yeah. I don't know. I got, I really I get mistaken <laughs> a lot. So you get mistaken a lot. Miss, yeah, they misunderstand me a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. That's what I meant. Misunderstanding, like they, I get misunderstood because it's like this is like a passion of mine too, and I still got to like learn more about it. But it's like, man, this is like it don't sit right with me. Yeah. No matter like who it is, it's like when somebody's not treated the way that anybody else is because they don't have what you have. Yeah. Like there's something wrong with that morally. At the end of the day, like. We're all going to answer for what and how we treated people. True. Um, and it, it's crazy because, like, this is like mainstream America. Yeah. Yep. And it's still happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
That's funny that you said that because it, for some odd reason it reminded me of something my dad said one time. He, You know, those people stand on the corner and they had the signs and whatnot. Yeah. And he rolled down his window and he handed this guy a couple bucks and we were driving off. And he goes, you never know. He said, that could have been Jesus. Mm. You and don't. I, and I hey, thought, Zeus. And I thought. I never thought I never thought about it like that. You know what I mean? Because I guess if you are really a true Christian and you're following what Jesus taught, then that was yeah. right. Like in in a sense, that was mm-hmm. because that's you know that that was part of his teaching. So, but I mean that really kind of hit home with me. I was like, oh yeah, because you I mean you never know who the angels in disguise are. You don't. True. 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 Uh, the Bible says that you might have entertained an angel unaware, yeah. mm. you know, and, and it's in when you look at like Christianity, it's really like about love and not judging anybody because we're all dirty. Like nobody is better than anybody else. We all answer right to Jesus Christ. Like at the end of the day, like we're going to answer for for what we what yeah. we do and how we, you know, behaved. Yeah, yeah. and they're all riding dirty. And, yeah. and, and 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 the only reason why I brought brought that up too is because and. I know where you're going to go with this. <laughs> but um, they, there are people, there are groups that fall back on Christianity as their justification for a lot of their actions yes. and their oh, words. Yeah. And so to me, that doesn't make sense. There's just so much, there's a lot of hypocrisy in the things yeah. that they say and do. Being, yeah. And that's like a certain sect. Being, uh, <laughs> being proud of your country doesn't equal... <laughs> Your yeah. relationship to Jesus Christ, yeah. you know, and that's where like Western Christianity has got it wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like we lift up the flag and we feel like just because we lift up the flag, that means we're lifting up Jesus. But, you know, like his people is Israelites, yeah. people of color, yep. you know, and, and we're all seen as like Gentiles. Like we were, we're not Israelites, but we're adopted in, we're, we're grafted in, right? Like, mm-hmm. and Somewhere along the way, man, like Western Christianity got that wrong because they started building empires, ways to make money and not pay taxes and, you know, do things a certain way. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like they don't defend the poor. They don't feed the needy. They go to Mexico and take pictures with brown kids and post it on Facebook for the likes, right? Yep. But they treat their black and brown kids in the same city that they live in like garbage. Yep. Are you trying to tell me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> major league. That's a that's a good segue. I got some jokes. We're gonna shift go. gears here. Let's lighten it up. Let's lighten it up a little bit. Uh, you guys might recognize off, these jokes, but um, <clears throat> um, yeah. Here we go. You guys ready? Shoot it. Okay. Auntie doesn't read books. She stares them down until she gets the information she wants. (laughs) (laughs) I can just see that look, too. Time waits for no man or woman unless that woman is auntie. (laughs) (laughs) If you spell auntie in Scrabble, you win forever. Jeez. (laughs) Let me see here Triple weird score When God said Let there be light Auntie said Say please (laughs) (laughs) If auntie were to travel To an alternate dimension 
in which there was another ante, and they both fought, they would both win. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. Do you guys know what I'm switching up here? Where these are from? Uh-huh. Anti jokes. Huh? No? Okay, hold on. Um, Auntie does not own a stove, oven, or microwave because revenge is a dish best served cold. I know where you're getting it. I what? get it. Those are uh, Chuck Norris. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just changing them to Auntie. <laughs> that was pretty good. No. Auntie does not sleep. She waits. <laughs> There's no chin behind Auntie's beard. There's only another fist. (laughs) (laughs) Auntie recently had the idea to sell her pee as a canned beverage. It is now called Red Bull. She gives you wings. (laughs) If paper beats rock, rock beats scissors, and scissors beats paper, what beats all three at the same time? Auntie. Auntie. <laughs> On the seventh day, God rested. Auntie took over. <laughs> Auntie can dribble a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to list Auntie enemies, just check the instinct species list. <laughs> Auntie once shot down an enemy plane, or <clears throat> Auntie once shot an enemy plane down with her finger by yelling "bang." <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang. Auntie does not use spell check if it happens to, if it happens to misspell a word, Oxford will change the spelling. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm trying to find one. Oh, Auntie counted to infinity twice. <laughs> twice. Auntie can have both feet on the ground and kick butt at the same time. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Auntie can do a wheelie on a unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Once a cobra bit Auntie's leg Five days later of excruciating pain The cobra died Good (laughs) (laughs) That's stupid (laughs) Auntie Auntie once won a game of Connect Four In three moves Champions are the breakfast of anti. <laughs> Yuck. Yuck. <clears throat> anti can slam revolving doors. <laughs> I had to think about that. <laughs> the dark is afraid of anti. Anti can kill two stones with one bird. <laughs> Just like me. Just like me. Yeah. Uh Death once had a near anti experience. When Auntie writes, 
she makes paper makes paper bleed. <laughs> Auntie never retreats. She just attacks in opposite directions. <laughs> Auntie once punched a man in the soul. All right, one more. I'm losing you guys. <laughs> I think what I lost you say guys. Say that last one again. <laughs> Auntie once punched a man in the soul. Oh, that's a good one too. Auntie can tie her shoes with her feet. Kinky. Kinky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's do a story. So this. Um, this is how we play the game, James. <laughs> We're each going to go around and say a sentence. So, like, we'll start off with a premise. Uh, give me a premise. What are we doing? It's basketball season. We're going to the basketball game. We did that. We did that one? When? No, it was, was a football it game. It was a football game? It was a football game. Oh. Oh, no. Okay. Well, when Kim was here. Yeah. Okay. So, give me did. another premise. We oh we're gonna go to Chick Fil A. Okay, we're going to Chick Fil A. We never had it, and then we'll just go around the horn. And we'll go Randy, James, JC, me. We'll just say a sentence, whatever. Doesn't have to stick to the story, but <laughs> you say that because it's not going to. Yeah, it, we're gonna be in, trying to go to Chick Fil A. We'll end up somewhere else in Laurel, East Laurel, East Laurel, East Laurel Road. <laughs> but say. Who starts? You. Oh, always. <laughs> when I woke up today, all I could think was Chick-fil-A. This morning, all I thought was about Chick-fil-A. I must have been really thinking about Chick-fil-A if I said it twice. Because I knew she was one of the new employees there. <laughs> Does <laughs> <laughs> she really work? I was the coming to America. Remember though, I want to slap you with a biscuit. Slap <laughs> you with a biscuit. <laughs> no, but uh, what did you say again? I said I was, oh, I was thinking about it because I knew she was one of the new employees there. Because she's the sweetest strawberry lemonade. <laughs> the baddest. And I was hoping she would give me a discount on a chicken sandwich. And put her honey sauce on there. On her biscuits. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta think. What's butter, too? (laughs) (laughs) Come here, honey, let me butter those biscuits. So I waited in line for four hours. And all I could think about was buttering them biscuits. (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. right. Let's let's do one more. Let's do one more. Uh, Give me another premise then. Um... I was going to go file my taxes because I got my W-2s. Oh, all right, all right, all right. You want me to start? 
Oh, oh. I just started. Oh, you're going to file your taxes because you got your W-2s. <clears throat> I said, this is very timely because I'm going on a hot date later this week. All I could think about was me and you. Just don't kick me out till I get my taxes. <laughs> 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 but I knew I didn't have to say it Because she wouldn't do it anyway Because uh, I was going to go buy her some biscuits And butter them up <laughs> And then I'll hand feed them to her <laughs> Slowly <laughs> And get washed down with some lemonade. She looks into my eyes with every chew of her biscuit. <laughs> with a big smile on her face. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while, I can see that butter glisten through that gap in her teeth. As she looked at me with desire. <laughs> There was some honey between her teeth. <laughs> so I cleaned it with my napkin. I don't want to know what happens after that. I don't want to know what happens after that. (laughs) You get a kick out of those. And then desire happened. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was a good one. Good laughs. Good laughs. Yeah. Uh, You feeling warmed up, James? Yeah, I am. Ready to do this? All right, cool. We're going to put James in the hot seat. So, DJ, if you're ready. Why don't you hit me with that beat? Yo, let's get into our topic. Yo, let's get into our topic. All right, all right, all right. Unspoken Words, episode 117 in the house. We're getting into the main topic now. We got Mr. DeBontley ready to go. And um, how this going to roll out, JC's got some questions for you, and then Randy's got some questions, and then I'll follow up. But the floor is yours. You know, just talk about uh, your story. Share as much as you want, as little as you want, but um, really get get your message out there and with that, I'll throw it over here to your resident sensei. Take it away. Uh-huh. Hey, four starts. Hoka, hey, all my relatives. <laughs> <laughs> Blessings. Blessings to you and your lodge. <clears throat> uh, say I'm not some sure. things before you say something. <laughs> I know I'm not going to eat biscuits for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know. And same, I mean, you you haven't been here before, but usually I just say, you know, give you the, go ahead and have the floor, like, start off, you know, maybe your early childhood, where you're from, how you grew up, and then maybe, like, tell us about your first experiences with drugs, alcohol, whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, just go ahead and, like uh, Josiah said, lay it down. All right. Ready? Yeah, whenever you're ready. Wow. 
I grew up in Pryor, Montana. That's where I was raised until I was I graduated high school and then went to college and moved here to Billings. Moved to Hardin. That's where I met my wife. Lived there until I think 2019 when I left left Hardin and moved back to Pryor. I say. What about like like okay? So when you're growing up, like um, were you, were you what was your exposure to like drugs and alcohol? Is it something that you know? I don't um tell you the truth. I don't know what brought me to do because you know most growing up I was I was a well disciplined kid. I never like I didn't drink that much. I was like more like into schooling and trying to more into sports, but. I don't know what brought took me to start doing drugs. I, I'm still trying to figure it out. When uh, when was the first time you ever used? I think it was in 2010. I didn't think it would. Uh, I was introduced to it and to what? To methamphetamine. Okay. And uh, I think it was like 2010. And. Uh, I didn't think you. I, it would like get out of hand to get me to where my point in life where I had to like literally sober up. I just, oh, I was just, you know, I was think I thought, oh, should I try it then? But you know, I didn't. I didn't realize that it was. I was out of hand till I had to literally go to treatment. That you know, I was. I was going down the wrong. Wrong road with that with meth with meth, and then. I finally sobered up. I, I look back on that. Look back. Holy cow! I can't believe I, I did that drug. But you know, I mean, <coughs> along the way, I hurt. I hurt a lot of people. I hurt my family. I hurt my friends that didn't ever think I would get into that, and I couldn't believe myself that I was into that drug until I sobered up. I literally. Um, Hit rock bottom. You know, I lost. You know, I was at Hardin. I lost. I lost my house. Everything I worked for before I touched meth, I literally lost everything. I lost horses, anything that material things. You know, I. And then when I sobered up, I just couldn't realize how much I lost and. A lot and just a lot of things I lost, especially with my my family didn't trust me and I just barricaded myself at my house and when family functions or games I would never go. Mm-hmm. I would just hide myself in my house and I didn't realize what I was doing until I sobered up. And I wanted to recovery in two thousand nineteen. I've been sober ever since, but along the way, in my walking the red road, I met a lot of people in my life that God sent to me. Um, first of all, I, I found people at treatment that really, really inspired me, and to me, I see it as that God put people in my life, like my pastor, is he's from Pryor. 
I know God sent me down to that church to put my pastor's name as Zach LaRue in my life. Mm. Ever since I met him, man, you know, he's been he's been a big he's he's sent people into my life from where he was from that shared my same experience uh mm. doing meth and every person that I met along the way, they inspired me not to give up. Yep. And um you know, I to me, I, I see that I overcame everything that I ever put my family and my kids through. Mm. Every little accomplishment that I go when I'm sober, it makes me proud, especially from my kids telling me that, hey, Dad and Mom, we're proud of you. Mm. And there's there's things that that I look back on that I wish I could never, that I can't take back. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that there's a movie that... Should I forgot? It's a Disney movie. It's uh, should I forgot what it's called? When I was in treatment, my when I was getting my life, trying to get my life in order, and my my kids were watching that movie. And should I forgot what? Anyway, there's a there's a saying on there. It's keep moving forward. It's that I don't know if you guys ever watched it. That boy goes back into the future. And then he sees his, or he goes into the future and he looks at, uh, he sees his future in a family and he sees himself as a grown, as a grown adult. And, mm. he, and he doesn't realize that his, uh, that's him looking at his family. And this boy comes from the past and he goes into the future. But mm. he has a saying on her. He's like, just keep moving forward. And that's, I always keep that in my mind that, you know, just don't look back. Just keeping, keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, like to me, I see it that I accomplished a lot over these past three and a half years being sober. I'm like, and I'm really happy with where I'm at today with my life, with my living situation, with my kids. You know, um, I got back into hunting that I really, that I just now figured out this year, this past fall, that man, I really, I really missed hunting when I, when I was. When I was high on meth, I, you know, every gun I got, I was like, oh, shoot, I'll just trade it off because I want to get high. But, you know, when I, I, hunting, just being outdoors, I was like, the thrill of seeing elk and deer, man, it just, I was like, I, I told myself, you know, I'm re- I really loved this. I really missed this. I really missed this when I was, it never crossed my mind until I was sober that, man, I really miss hunting. And, you know, I was, Especially my kids with their sports, you know, um, like my boys, they're on varsity for plenty of coops, and and there's never a day that ever crossed that. Hey, man, my kids will will be will be doing sports because I was so high on meth, and mm-hmm. I didn't care if my kids ever did sports. But you know, I'm 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 glad I'm sober today, and seeing my kids that I encourage them to to be. Uh, I don't know what to say, but you know, I'm very proud of my kids, and, and my kid. What makes me happy is when they, when my kids tell me that, that we're glad that you guys don't do that stuff anymore. That's like one of the biggest that makes me feel better that not to give up mm-hmm. on going back to the back to do using meth because you know I and there was one time about two years ago that almost gave up. When I lost my mom mm. to COVID, I I went, when my mom passed away, I was in a hospital. 
I had this, I didn't think she was going to die. So I went into the hospital. My older sister said, you want to go see your mom? So I went in there and, you know, I just started crying and praying. That In my mind, I said, oh, my mom's going to come home. Yeah. But she, don't, she didn't. While I was in the hospital, my mom passed away. And, you know, I was trying to question God. But, you know, my mom was a strong Christian woman. And she always she always told me, don't ever question God. Mm. But that didn't cross my mind. And when I, went, I just kept saying, why, God? Why did you take my mom? And, you know, I wanted to give up. And I wanted to numb my pain. But, you know, at the same time, God spoke to me. And then you know, I was... You know, I was reading my Bible. I was like, try to read my Bible as much as I can. And uh, he led me to the scripture, and he was telling me that, hey, I'm with you every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me not to give up. So, and I always keep that with me that, you know, when I was re- when I was ready to give up and numb my pain to go back to using drugs, that you know, God was there with me. I just, you know, I'm just really pr- um, proud of myself to me. Proud of myself today that I'm I'm on a red road, and um, you know, I met a lot of good people that encouraged me, and I I try not I try to tell people that are still in their addiction. You know, I just try to tell them my testimony that you know it's good to be sober. I don't like try to put them down or anything. I just tell him, you know, being sober is good, and said you'll see, you'll see that you'll see a big difference when you're sober. That your life is your life is better when you're not on drugs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, you know, I, I I think to me and my wife, I think we accomplished a lot, and um, especially with my oldest daughter when when I was in my addiction, it always crossed my mind that I was uh. Am I going to be like this when she graduates high school? Mm. Am I going to be messed up on meth and not not show up when she graduates? And this past year, she graduated high school. Mm. She got her high school diploma, and I was sober. Me and my wife were sober. Right on, right on. And, mm. um, and after she got her diploma, you know, when we were done, I started crying, and my daughter asked me, she said, what's wrong, Dad? And I said, you know, I said, I've been, I've, I've been waiting for this day ever since you were young when I was in my addiction. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, I said, you know, when you're, when you're in high school and you're a freshman, I said, I was still high on meth. And I said, never, it always crossed my mind, am I going to be like this when you graduate high school? And she said, and I said, you know Today I said I'm proud of you, and I said I'm proud of myself because I'm sober, and I watched you graduate high school, and that was one of my biggest biggest accomplishments. That I watched my daughter graduate high school, and I was sober, mm. and I know that's like a big, it's a big thing to me. Like, yeah, you know, there's, you know, I mean, some days there's that when I crosses my mind but you know I just start praying and I look at my kids and 
you know, I'm just, what makes me most happy is that my kids tell me that they're proud of me every day, that I'm in recovery, and, you know, it's just uh, give the message out there that, you know, anybody that's lost in their addiction, that it's never too late to change your life. To me, it's, I'm an example that, you know, I changed my life around from being a, a meth addict to being in recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rock. It's, my, my saying is that I didn't just do it on my own. I did it with, just didn't do it on my own. Yeah. Bought a deal. was there with me every step of the way. And he showed me that he was there with me. And he also put a lot of good people in my life. Like you guys, I'm here talking to you guys and sharing my story that, you know, I'm, I'm sobered today. That I'm a living testimony. Yep. We're <clears throat> we're really, really <clears throat> glad and honored that you're here. And I know it's it's tough, you know, having yeah, to is. having to, you know, talk like that, but I just want you to know that what you what you're doing is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Because because it does you know, somebody will listen to it and somebody will say, Okay, that, that guy inspires me. Yeah. And so <clears throat> you know, um well, let me tell you a story, uh about Two weeks, three weeks. I think it was in December. My daughter was going to she, well, she went. She's going to school in Haver. She's taking a semester off. She's going into nursing. You know, um, a guy I met in um, treatment while I was here in treatment at Billings. His name is Chris Coat. Um, I was supposed to jump on a plane to go drive my daughter back from college from Haver. When I got there, I was supposed to leave at 10 o'clock in the morning and I went to check in, and I was like, um, oh, your flight got canceled. And then my <laughs> my wife, Tiffany, dropped me off, and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So I just like, oh, shoot. So I started calling around, and I messaged my friend, and I was like, hey, can you give me a ride to uh, to uh, Walmart? And then at the same time, I messaged my pastor, and he was like, oh, I, yeah, I'm going to Billings, but it's going to take a while. But I said, well, I'm, he said, I said, yeah, I'll meet, can you, I'm catching a ride to Walmart. I got to send my daughter her, uh, some money so she can come back. For, and then when my friend Chris Colt picked me up, we started talking and asked him how he was. And I just told him how proud of him I was for him because, I mean, he, he sobered up at the same time I did. And uh, there was a girl in there, and she was trying to change her life around. And uh, I introduced myself, she introduced her and herself, and then uh, I started talking to her, and, you know, I told her my life, what I went through mm-hmm. while I was in my addiction, and, and then <coughs> after the fact, I told her, like, my my whole situation, when I, when I sobered up all my accomplishments, and, you know, she started crying, mm. I, and then uh, she's, she was like, you know what? She was like, you're an inspiration to me. That girl told me that, and I, and when she told me that, I, I started crying because when people tell me that that they're, I'm an inspiration to them, <coughs> it makes me feel good about myself that I'm mm-hmm. doing, I'm living the, living in sobriety. And when she told me that I was, you know, that was a big, made me feel good. Mm-hmm. When people tell me that. I'm, it makes me proud of myself that I'm sober. Yeah. 
No, that's awesome. And there's like, um, <clears throat> I remember, I just remembered when we were having coffee a few weeks ago. We had coffee and you're telling me about how uh, you just happened to be uh, come in contact with some people that you used to use with. Yeah. And then uh, t- tell that story and like how they kind of offered it to you. Oh, then- um, when I was first sobered, um, I was, uh, my playground, I say my playground is hardened. That's yeah. where I did all my meth use and, uh, we were out at my in-laws out in the country, you know, where, where it is Randy yeah. and, um, my brother-in-law, that's who I mainly, uh, ran around with when I was using, dr- when using meth. So this, we were just, well, I was already out of treatment and I sobered up and, or my brother-in-law, he's already gone. Anyway, he pulled up and he was like real happy to see me. I was like, he said, how are you? And he was like, I said, I'm good. He said, I haven't seen you for a while. And I said, I know, I went to treatment. And I, I don't know what his intentions were, but he kind of showed me a, a pipe, a, a, yeah. a meth pipe, and kind of went like that. And I told him, I'm done, man. And then he just kind of, he started laughing. And then I guess like two, like a week, two weeks later, my father-in-law told me, he was like, Anyway, my fa- my brother-in-law told my father-in-law that I can tell he's uh, James is done because when I he said I offered him something, he turned it away. He said, "I know he's done now with this stuff," and mm. that was crazy that he off. But you know, when I when he offered it to me, I was like, he thought I. Yeah, I guess he was just testing me, but you know, I. I don't know what he, he was testing me with that with meth, and I was like, "No, nah, and I'm I'm done now." Told him straight up that I'm done with that stuff. Never got me anywhere. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> I think, man, like, dude, like, when you're talking, man, like, you can feel the power of your testimony. Yeah, and I can just feel like your relationship with with God, right? Like, I can feel your relationship, yeah. like, man. And one of the markers of that is like. I'm like that too. I'm easy to tear up, you know, because I feel like, like how proud of you are of your kids. Yeah. Mm. Like God is like ministering to you and that's how he feels about you. Like, man, he's proud of you and where you came from. Um, and you got your own story Yeah, and it's powerful, right? Like, and, um, (laughs) but there was a verse that came to mind uh, when you were talking, and and it's Paul, and he says, it's in uh, Philippians 3, uh, verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I did not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's like, therefore, all who are mature, let's have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude God will reveal this to you as well. Yeah. But what he's saying is like, man, like he forgets like everything that happened back then, yeah. but he's like focused on his relationship with yeah. Christ. Like no matter his sufferings, no matter what he's going through, like God is his focus. And he's like, man, that's my only goal. And that's really like what I hear from you because you have this heart of a father. Yeah. Like the only thing that you want to be is proud of your children for doing what they're doing. Yeah. 
but that's because they can look at their dad and realize what type of champion he is. Yeah. Like you're an overcomer. Everything that you have faced up to this point has never killed you. Yeah. You know, and that's why, like, man, this is why I love the word recovery. Yeah. The word recovery means to take back yeah. those that were stolen, right? And when we think about addiction, man, it takes so much from us. Oh, man, you know, yeah, it does, you know. Um, you know, um, sometimes well, when me and my wife Tiffany talk to you, I was like, do you remember when you were mean, uh, when you were on meth? And I said, I remember. And I, you know, I tell her, I said, you know, I can't take back what I used to do to you. But I said, can you forgive me? And she tells me, I, I forgive you. Mm. But ever since we've been in recovery, our marriage has been so, our our life, our marriage has been so good that even our life changed a lot. Like, you know, we accomplished a lot of things. And even these, or these past three and a half years that we've been sober, uh, what was it last month, December? You know, it was uh, just like when earlier we were joking around about taxes. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man, you know, um, I was in this January, I, I would have never got my taxes. I was like, I filed last January 2021, or no, 2022. And I've, oh, I've been waiting, fighting with the IRS. And uh, my daughter, she, uh, her car, she ran into a deer up there and uh, have her and then she you know i mean when my when my kids are hurt i'm hurt too and she called she started talking and crying she started crying and i overheard her and she she told my wife she said man i wrecked my car i got with with my my college money and i felt i started i said and i got i got the phone from my wife and i said you know what i'll i'll drive this car up to you i said we don't have a car but i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you the car we're using so I did. So I drove it all the way up to Haver and I gave it to her. And I said, uh, I told my daughter, I said, you know, I don't, I know you need a car, so I'm giving you our car. But I said, so I'm going to, she dropped me off at uh, the airport and I flew back to Billings. So I got back home and I said, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll work on getting another car. So, you know, and then right, I think, like middle of December, I got a letter from the IRS and, yeah, really. And it was like surprising to me. We're gonna give you your your taxes back, and I was like, "Holy cow!" Then at the bottom I had a, like little parentheses, eight weeks. And I was like, "Oh, at least I was like happy. Oh, I'm getting my taxes back." And then, uh, just like out of the blue, I was like, I was right, like in the middle of December, and like, before Tiffany was gonna go to work, I was gonna we we're getting ready to go to work. We send our kids off to school, and then I was like, "Hey." I think I'll call the IRS today just to see how, when they're going to send my money. So I called the IRS and Tiffany left and I sat there, went to work and sat there waiting for them. I finally got a hold of the IRS and I, they asked me, oh, yeah, my date of birth and all this. And then, uh, she was, then I was like, yeah, we don't look it. They looked it up and then uh, they're like, we sent, we direct deposit your money already. And I was like, you know, I had a big smile on my face, and I was like, really? And then I just had to, like, question it twice. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? And he said, yeah, we, we direct deposit, and, and my bank never notified me. So I called my bank, and mm. I was like, it was a uh, direct deposit. Yeah, and they're like, your 
there's your there's uh this amount sitting in your bank account and I was like really and I like I was in disbelief yeah so I was like so excited I just hung up and I I called my wife Tiffany I was like hey she was like what what's going on now and I was like you know she's every time I call her she's <laughs> like she's like she's always thinking something's wrong and I said hey I got my tax and she said are you serious and I said I'm, I'm serious are you lying I said no you know and, uh, <laughs> and I was blessed and, and fighting all year with the IRS and I finally got my tax we bought a car and you know that was a blessing from God that when I really needed needed help you know mm. God showed me a sign that you know he's he never left us or forsake us. Come on, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, man, we bought a car and, and my kids had a good Christmas. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's yeah. a really good story. Um, <clears throat> I was kind of wondering, like, what, um, you said you're in that addiction, kind of wondering what, if you're going to be sober when your daughter graduates from high school and that's on her mind. And I know. Man, when you're talking about that, it took me right back to that state, you know, when I was in my deep in my addiction. Um, but what was like, what was finally like, okay, I got a problem. I need help. What, what did that look like? You know, um, that was when I was in my addiction, man. My, my wife always said, when are you going to stop? When are you going to stop? Mm. And I would tell her to myself, to myself, oh, I have the the willpower to quit mm. but in reality i i never had the willpower to quit i had to hit um i think it was in like august no july july 2019 that mm-hmm. I, I had a problem mm. and uh i don't know there's a lot of things that that i had to change and I, uh, the reason why I had to change is I lost my daughter. Mm. Um, my daughter was born and she was fully born, but they, um, when she was born, they had her in a hospital at ICU and ICU. And, uh, when they test, they tested positive for meth and. Mm. And I think God was showing me that I had to change, and I, you know, I see my daughter, my my daughter. She would have been three today, our youngest one. I went in there, and I see my daughter. She was like on a life support little machine, and mm. I just started crying. And uh, I told him, I told my daughter, you know, she I, she can probably hear me. Mm-hmm. I told her how sorry I was for doing hurting her and stuff and mm-hmm. right there that I kind of figured out that I was that I had to change my life and mm. get help and I, I had a problem and then from there treatment and then God starts surrounding you with these people oh man and yeah, then like did. today like what do you do for your recovery like to keep going like you said that movie quote is playing in your head and I have a similar one mine's like the Nike saying just do yeah. it like yeah. if I need a meeting, just do it. I gotta pray, just do it. Like that's what really drives me. So a similar saying like yours, but what does your recovery look like today? Oh, to keep my mind off it is my kids' sports. Like mm. you know, I look forward to them. Like when they're ready to play, or they come come home from after school and tell me, "We well, did this today. We're yeah. gonna do this." And 
you know, it's like, oh man, I'm happy. Yeah. And it's just to keep me going is all right. Ever since I've been in recovery, you know, when I first sobered up and I was like down to 180, mm-hmm. I was like, like real skinny and, uh, well, I'm trying to I'm trying to change with uh you know, it's kinda hard. I was I remember I was telling Josiah when we met for coffee. Yeah. I was like I got big, healthy big. Yeah. I'm like re- I got really big and I kinda my high blood pressure kinda shot up and kinda went on a diet there on back in November and I got down to like oh shit, I was my goal was to reach two fifty. I almost got there. I was like I got down to like two eighty. And after, right after the middle of Thanksgiving, I shot back up to... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right now, you know, uh, but I think that's, uh, I, I mean, exercising and... Yeah, working on Trying yourself. to live, a, yeah, live yeah. a healthy life for my kids. But, and uh, I think that's what kind of keeps me going, my, mm. my uh, exercising and trying to walk. And then my kids keeping me going and... And church, yeah, and church, and my pa- oh man, you know, my pastor is, uh, you know, he's a big inspiration to me. He's mm. younger than me, but you know, he's a, he's really, um, he's a good guy. He's a good person, and he's a, he's a, he's a man of God, and um, man, he's just like he's in, he inspires me so much that, like, uh, he's uh, man, every like I spend a lot of time with him and. We go hunting, we go hunting, and like this, he just, he went to Mississippi for Christmas, and uh, two weeks ago, he was gone for two weeks, he just now got back on Monday, and you know, those two weeks he was gone, I really got lonesome for him, (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see him and talk to him, and uh, as soon as he got back, he he messaged me, he said, I'm back now, and you know, I just wanted to go down there, and just like, just like, get up to date with him and when i seen him you know i was happy to see him i gave him all he gave me a hug and he said oh, are you i said i'm good and told him all the latest news and everything and uh, all the gossip yeah all the yeah. Gossip, <laughs> you know, and, but you know him is uh man he's a he's like a his, all the people he brings down to that little church in prior man it's like i met a lot of people going to church there and that was man there's there's a lot of people that i met there that were like into meth and drugs too and and they tell me their stories and you know and they also tell me when i when they get up to talk and tell them my testimony they come up to after the church service or something they, like, when we have guests there they just tell me how proud of they are of me and you know and when they tell me that man i it it makes me tear up and it makes me man you know and i i'm doing it today that i'm sober yeah, I know, I bro. Know. You are like, yeah. it, and it's crazy because, like, like the verse that came, like I, I read the Bible too, but the yeah. one that like is Psalm ninety two. I think it's thirteen when he yeah. says, "Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish." Yeah, and it's so amazing to see God working in your life, bro. Like your children get to witness you overcome addiction, yeah. and that's a battle that they don't have to fight anymore because yeah. you defeated that. You yeah. stepped on it. You conquered it, man, and then. You've planted yourself under a pastor, you know, and your growth is phenomenal, yeah. bro. Like, and I seen you at the Y, remember? Yeah. And I'm like, man, like, that is awesome because yeah. now, like, bro, like, you're really living life yeah. on life terms, man. And, dude, it's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, um, 
and you know, oh man, you know, last year when I first got to recovery, uh, um, I was me and my pastor. He asked me, "Do you hunt?" And I never, I didn't, I wasn't trying, I didn't try to buy a gun yet. And I said, "Yeah, you want to go hunting?" So we went hunting, and from that day, three years, three and a half years ago, and I we just went out and my went hunting with my pastor. Ever since then, I I've been hunting, and then uh, and I just I really, I really missed it a lot when I was out there. And then you know, this past fall, I I got I connected with uh, my nephew. Uh, my older brother Richard Crow, he's he's in recovery too. I think he's like in recovery for ten years. He was he was a uh, he's off meth too in recovery. But anyway, I'm um I never I'm there. My nephew is Irvin Crow. I just wait connected last year. I you know, I was at, you go you just, I seen his story on Facebook, and I was like you go to the mountains and he was like yeah why aren't I going? I said I'll go with you, and then you know last year he uh. We went, we went, and I didn't think, said, you want to go? And I said, oh, yeah, we'll go. So I uh, jumped in with him, and he brought me on an elk, and, oh, man, I, it was like 35 yards, and I missed the bull. <laughs> and then I was like, and I was like, couldn't believe myself. And I don't even smoke, and my, my older brother, Richard, was with us, and I was so angry at myself. I started smoking, and I was like, wow, man. I, and then I was like, in disbelief, I missed that bull at, like, real close. Then uh, after that, and man, we hiked that day, and man, I sure paid for it. Those cigarettes made me sick. And then <laughs> all last last year, after we missed and after I missed that bull, I just kept looking forward to it. Man, I just kept telling my wife Tiffany, "Man, this year I'm gonna get a bull. I'm gonna get a bull." And right after Crow Fair, I started go. We started going, huh? But you know, man, I never. I'm and I connected with my uh, my nephew Irvin. I got to know him and. Man, hanging around with him, joking around with him, and and I'm just you know I doing even even doing that was man, and, and that was like a big accomplishment yeah. to me. Yeah, and uh, man, he brought and I was I was my goal was just to reach just to kill one bull. That's all I ever. That's all I wanted this year, this past fall. And I was more than gifted with uh, you know, God sent me two bulls and a cow mm. and. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man. And then I was like, that was like a, a big accomplishment because, you know, I should have killed a bull a long time ago. But, you know, I was in my addiction. And, man, as soon as I, as soon as I killed that bull, I wanted to go right back to prior and show my kids and my, my wife. Mm -hmm. And every time, I think we went out about eight or nine times. And every time they come back, they were, they run right outside of Ross. Did you get one? Did you get one? And I <laughs> said, no. But, no, oh, these guys got one. And then. You know, Tiffany, my wife Tiffany, a joke around me. When are you gonna get one? Those two already got one. I was with uh, DJ uh, Daryl Daryl Junior and Irvin mm. and them, and you know, I think it was like on the eighth trip, I finally, uh, I finally got a little bull, mm. and uh, I came home and I said, I finally got one, man. You know, you know, I was like all pumped and happy, and my wife was like, man, that's good, and you know, she is, and she is being. Smart ass, and she was like, "Well, when are you gonna get a bigger one?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I'll, "I'll get one." I, I said, "If not this year, I'll get one." You know. And then right after that, that following, I think it was like went out on a Saturday just to go check it out. And yeah. You know, I ended up getting lucky, and I shot a nice six by six bull. The, that Tuesday we got, and the Saturday I killed one. And 
know. You know, it was, uh, after I killed that, my oh my youngest boy was with us third. You know, even showing him that I killed that bull and they took our pic, they took our picture, mm-hmm. and it made me happy that you know what, oh, oh, man, I, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I did it. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> as soon as uh, he's like, uh, we loaded, it, cut it up, they helped me cut it up, and I told Irvin, man, you know what, Irvin, thank you, and I love you. I said I all I ever wanted to do all this year was. Since last year, waiting all year, I said to mm-hmm. kill a bull, and I said, "Man, thank you for getting me on a bull." And I said, "Not only one bull, but two bulls." You know, wow. that to me, that was a big accomplishment because I never, all the years that I've been on this earth, I never killed a bull, and, and that made me happy. And when I got home, you know, and yeah. see my wife and my kids happy, they're like, "Oh, you finally did it!" And, you know, I was <laughs> like, "I did, huh?" Right, no. And I was like, still in disbelief, but. And then the thing that my daughters were asking me about were the teeth, and they kept, when are you going to get us some teeth? <laughs> I, that was one of my goals. I fulfilled that goal, too. I got my, go, Man, both of my, I got both of my older daughters, <laughs> made them necklaces out of the, the teeth I got, and, you know, that was, right to that, things like that, that, you know, those are, to me, they're my big accomplishments that yeah. I fulfilled. Yeah. Man, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Like fulfilling that warrior role. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to stop there. Yeah. Keep moving forward with serving a body deal and just serving. And killing and booze. Yeah, and <laughs> not giving up on my recovery. Come on, man. Just moving forward. Right on, right on. That's awesome, man. I, I like to hear that. Um, so <clears throat> you're off the hot seat, but I just wanted to give you, like, the floor one more time. Like, say someone's, like, you're talking to someone, they're, like, in their addiction, uh, they don't really, they're on that fence, you know, like they don't know if they want to seek help or just continue using. Like, what would you say to them since we've all been there? You know, I tell them, I can't force you to stop what you're doing, but it's up to you to change your life and get on that red road because, you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll the way I'll say it is you know, like yesterday I was in was it yes yeah I was in Harding yesterday and my one of my sister in laws my wife's uh, older sister what's her first cousin but mm-hmm. you know I told her she was she's she's an addiction or she's in her addiction too I don't I think it's off opiates mm-hmm. or kind of mixed together but she 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 looked at me and sight town pump and then. I didn't really kind of just gave her a glaze and then I got my put in gas and she came up to me and she, you know, she was like, she came up to me and she said, how are you Bonner? And I said, I told her, let me give you a hug. And you know, I, I said, I, I'll tell you something. I said, you know, um, I, I said, me and Tiffany were, when we were an addiction too, we were addicted to meth, but I said, you know, you can change your life. It's up to you to it's up to you to change your life. But I said it's 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 not gonna be easy. Mm-hmm. I said it's never easy, but if you put your mind and your will to it, it you can do it. I said mm-hmm. well, at the same time, don't stop praying. I said because God will show you that He's there with yeah. you every mm-hmm. step of the way. Mm-hmm. That would you know if I it's like you said, Josiah. If, um, if any of you, if I seen someone, I um I would tell them. Just, it's up to you to change your life, mm-hmm. and uh, if you want to get on that red road, yeah, uh, just have the will, 
You gotta have the willpower and uh, yeah, and uh, how do you say it? Uh, it's, it's gotta have the willpower, I guess, and yeah. you gotta have the strength. Some you know, it ain't easy though. It ain't never easy to try to sober up. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very true, and that's something I always say on these on the podcast here. Yeah, on a lot of episodes, is that it's good that you would say that because when we're in our addiction. And, like, we don't realize we have a choice. Yeah. We don't realize we have that choice to be like, hey, I'm going to stop today. I'm going to quit today. And I'm going to choose. I'm going to make better choices. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to better my <clears throat> life. I'm going to make that change. Um, it wasn't until I realized that piece that I actually had a choice in this, uh-huh. that I could make better choices and I could, you know, stay away from uh, people that use or stay away from the liquor store. I don't have to spend my money on booze. Yeah. And like I have that choice, man. That was so empowering for me that you know that's that's what I still do today. Um, like even like entertaining those thoughts of using. Yeah. I have a choice in that. I don't have to continue to entertain that because uh, I went back out <clears throat> so many times on that. Just that little thought creeping in, like oh man, beer sounds good right now, or. You know, slamming a pint of vodka would make me feel better. Like, just that little thought would creep in in the past, and I'd entertain it, entertain it, entertain it. You know, just letting it marinate in there until I go use. I felt like that was inevitable. Yeah. Um, But once I realized I had that choice, like, those thoughts still come. But like JC's always saying, those intervention thoughts are playing that tape all the way through to the bitter end. Like, okay, where is this going to take me? It's going to take me to a place where, you know, I'm in a dark place. I'm using, I'm drinking a half a gallon of vodka every day. That's where it's going to take me. It's not just that one night of having fun. And, um, you know, um, there's this, one day I was uh, just like looking through Facebook, or not Facebook, uh, YouTube. Mm. And I don't know if you guys heard of this rapper. His name is Blind Fury. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he has a song in it. It's called... Uh, I'll try another day or something like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. that song when I heard when I heard that song, man, you know he's uh, uh, he's talking. He's in the first part. He's like, I'm here sitting alone or sitting here, uh, sitting to the table with three white lines, and and then another party says I'm I'm lost in this bottle or something like that. But yeah. that song, man, it's I'll try tomorrow or something like that. But yeah, it you know I hear that I heard that song and I started crying. I was like, man, the song really it hits me like. He's saying, he's uh, telling about his addiction. Because yeah. then after I heard that song, I kind of just, you know, I was researching on things like that. And he was into, like, into drugs, too, into meth. And, mm. and he sobered up. And it was like, it's kind of like a country song. And I heard that song. And I was like, man, this song's like, it really hit me. It was like, he's telling his life story and yeah. what he went through. And I was like, man. And then I made my wife hear that song. And I just, I just started crying. I said, you know, that kind of sounds like me when i was using when yeah. i was in, using meth i was like sitting there look sitting on a table with three white lines i was like man i said here i told my wife you're the song man and after i heard that song it made yeah. me cry because he's he's telling that like he's telling your story yeah like yeah. hearing his song is like yeah. man that song's to me he's telling me singing that song to me <laughs> yeah but man hear that song it's a good song by blind fury I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, yeah I'll man, check it out on the way home. And I think you're, man, you're, you're right, man. Like, we have to make that decision every day. Yeah. Like it's that decision you, 
you're either going to use or you're not. Yeah. Yep. But it's decided when you wake up. You know what I mean? Like they say relapse don't happen yeah. overnight, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's like a slow fade. So we have to like be conscious and, and recognize that and make that decision every day. And yeah. You know, um, I, to keep me on my, my recovery is I tell myself that if I, if I, I, I pray to God that I don't ever do it, ever use again. But I tell my wife and, hey, man, you know, I'm scared to touch meth now. Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's one of my biggest fears. That yeah. I said, you know, when you, if you, I said, if we go back to using it, I said, it comes with consequences. I said, we already went through that. It came with consequences when mm-hmm. we did meth. I said, I don't ever want to go through that again. Right now. And that's awesome, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome that you're here today and sharing yeah. your story. Yeah. yeah. You got anything, JC? Huh? Oh, man. man. I was just, you know, I, <laughs> I I just like to listen, bro, because, like, you know, let you go and tell your story. Because, you know, something I always tell uh, a lot of our guests here that come is like, man, it doesn't matter that if I have a few more years than you or whatever. Yeah. Like when I listen to you, I can learn something. I can always get something out of it, and I relate to a lot of the things that you say. Like yeah. man, like mm-hmm. I can say, yeah, I thought that too, or I went through that too, or something similar. You know, I have a goal set for me. Is that I want to make it to ten years. That's right my goal. That Come on. I mean, not only ten years, but for the rest of my life. Yeah, I kind of set it set a goal for myself that I want to make my my uh, sobriety to ten years. Yep. No, that's that's what I'm shooting for, and I don't ever want to fall off the red road. Yeah, yeah, that's a attainable goal. Yeah, yeah, I do that too. Like I'll look at you know they have those little apps and how many days and how many hours and how many minutes you've been sober yeah. and all that. Uh, those little um, apps that calculate all that, and then like I'll see how many, what the date is for like three thousand days. I'll yeah. put that on my calendar and say, All right, I'm shooting for three thousand days. Like right now I got one set for twenty twenty seven hundred days walking the red road and I put that on my calendar. Come you on. Know, and like those are attainable goals and I set those for myself. Boom, boom, boom. And like it's not I think about it every day. It's like, okay, I got thirty more days. I got ten more days. It's like, no, I'm just gonna handle today. You know, this was this was always been a goal for myself, for me. Mm-hmm. To share my story, like share my testimony, yep. what I went through, and you know, I that's I I fulfilled that today too. Right now, that was global, bro. It's global, man. Come on. But you know, that was I was told my wife. I said, you know, I wanted to, I want to share my story, my testimony. Yeah. In my recovery, and you know, that was that was that's a fulfillment to me. That I, I fulfilled that today, this evening. Yeah. Telling my telling my story to people. Yeah, people in Tasmania are going to listen to your story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, worldwide, man. We but, got a lot of listeners. But you yeah. know, thank you guys for having me here. And thank you for me. Thank you guys for letting me share my story. Uh, who podcast? One, yeah. one, one thing I will say about that is, um, you know, earlier you said you wish you could take back a lot of the things that you did, and that go that holds true for all of us. I mean, yeah, that's just, it is that's just yeah. part yeah. of it. But yeah. by coming in here and telling your story what you might have done, what you probably did for somebody else is help them avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't like that's, that was my whole thing too. Like I did a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah. But I don't have, but not, not only do I not have to keep doing that, but maybe the things that I say and, and, and by telling my story and by listening, you know, you telling yours, 
we can help somebody not have to go through all that. We yeah. can save that pain. Yeah. Yeah. And then not only that, but at the end of the day, if you've already been through something, you know, as traumatic as that, that you can yeah. come back from it. You can always yeah. come back from it. Yeah. yeah. Just like, yeah, just like you said, you know, anybody can change. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're, if you're in addiction. Yeah. Because I did it. Uh, anybody can do it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what I always say. It's like, man, I... I put down the half a G. Shit, if I can do it, anybody can, you know? Yeah, exactly. G. Half a G. Um, Yo, no, that's good. And, yeah, telling your story, um, we take away that pain. It takes away that shame when we share our experience, strength, and hope. So, man, you did a a good thing today, a powerful thing. Good job, man. Thank uh, you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, so uh, anyone that wants to change can do it. There's nothing that can stand in your way. So if anyone wants to change that's lost in addiction, don't be afraid to do it. Just do it. Those were very powerful words. Yes. Keep moving forward. Power, ah. power, wonder-working power in the blood. In the blood. Of the land. Of the land. Oh, Nobody said anything. <laughs> I know, like I kept saying. But when it, I but said it, <laughs> I know it, it has to come from you. So whatever we say, power. Whenever this guy says yeah. power, we always sing that yeah. that old gospel, that old hymn. But yeah, thank you for having me on here. Yeah, no, yeah, it, no it, it really, truly was an honor, and it was powerful. With, you know, these guys are clowns, <laughs> but, but it was, and, 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 it, and it's it's good that you came in here. And I will tell you right now that. You're always welcome back. Yeah. And then, you know, the next time we're not going to put you in the hot seat. You'll just be one of us, you know. We'll, yeah. Oh, you know, um, we'll laugh around. Laugh uh, around. Joke around. I'll tell you, know. Um, we'll grab when ass. I left, when I left treatment, <laughs> I, I told my counselor, I told my counselor, I said, yeah, before I left, I kind of said, yeah, will it be will it be okay if I come back here one of these, when I, whenever I reach I think it was like three years. Oh, yeah. Come back to this treatment and share my story with with, with the group here. And it's just known. And she said, yeah. Yeah. But I, my, my counselor moved to Wyoming, so. <laughs> <laughs> you have to but, go to Wyoming, man. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, that's, uh, I want to get to that, too. Just uh, if they would allow me to go to this up on north side and just, you know, and share my story with those people that are just now getting into treatment that I went through and maybe I'll inspire them. Yeah. Yeah. You, you inspire every, like you inspire yeah. people just by yeah. being you every day. Yeah. Yes, you know, sir. remember second Corinthians three and two says your written epistles known and read yeah. of all men. Yeah. And that means like, man, you just living your life is yeah. man. You're showing people yeah. that it is possible. Thank you, man. It's an yeah. honor. To have yeah, you here. Yeah. And oh, like, man, you know, to piggyback off of what Randy said, just like, yeah. you know, and you're living on the reservation in our hometown. Yeah. And you're you're doing it. You know, you're doing it there. You're like a light there. Yeah. You know, because, like, I couldn't do it. I don't yeah. think I could do it. You know, I probably, I probably would have relapsed right now. Yeah. You know, just being out there, just in that old playground. Oh, man, that was my it, playground, you know. It's scary, man. It's scary every day. But, you know, I just, I just pray and. Ask for uh, guidance and ask for protection from about it, yeah. And, yeah. You know, he's, that's, he's there, I guess. Yeah. God's country. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Lots of ass. laughs>
Arrow Creek. All right, thank you, Mr. DeMontney, for coming in. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And with that, man, we'll close out the episode. Any closing remarks from Randy or JC? No. Good to go. Is that why you kept gesturing towards me when like that because of power? Yeah, that's why right, you kept I, like, I, I didn't pick up on it. I was like, what's this guy's deal? <laughs> he said it first, and I looked over at you, and I'm like, well, where's the... I said it twice. <laughs> I know, and I didn't even pick up on it because it didn't come from you, the yeah. sensei. All right. You okay. Say, power. Sometimes, <laughs> some things you just gotta live with, I guess. Okay, I guess so. that was a very powerful episode. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, thank you out there, um, our listeners. We love you. We appreciate you. And to our unspoken words disciples, please keep spreading the unspoken words gospel, Billy Graham style, all over flat Earth. Ah And with that, we are out. We'll be back next week with one eighteen better than ever. So peace out, homie jeans. Deuces. What's up, holler at you boy? This is your favorite Indian, JCB. Hey, yo, it's Randy B, a.k.a. Pod Gotti. Yo, Josiah Mo Fire, a.k.a. Mo Hugs, Not Drugs. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.